I wouldn't mind being addicted to games. Working out. Reading. What is happening? Man, I was very excited to do this podcast. That answer just went in so many different directions. Games and working out. Yes. What kind of games? All kinds of games. Life's a game. Okay. It's an addiction. Well, Shamir. That has that has to be the worst answer. I have to say. It's the best answer. <laughs> you the just, most. You cannot fathom the it's not, intellectual property of the game. It's not productive. intellectual property of the game. Of the game. <laughs> <laughs> The intellectual okay. no. property. The intellectual property that you cannot fathom and in with your and okay. working out what, cortex. What, like, give me an example. Of what? Uh, of a game. You don't know you what a game is. Addicted to. No, I want like, an example of a game that you wouldn't mind being addicted to. Faster, faster response time. There's okay. knowledge games right there. There's you can learn shit. Um, guitar learn games. Sh- <laughs> rock band rock band i learned how to play the drums because of that i learned how to okay. sing notes because of that there's so many games out there that can teach you shit so okay with nice i mean nice try <laughs> like yeah. I, I i hear that sure. i hear that from uh, my brother all the time like for seven seconds he's like oh the faster like, response my time. reflexes get better. i'm just like there's plenty of ways that you can better your reflexes and also my de- how my how decision useful. making my decision making is much quicker than most people because i play video games that's okay fact. sure yeah. i guess and we're wor- okay with working Re- out right you either end up a gym rat or you end up a cloud <laughs> a cl- oh right 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 but the like thing a, is um, like a literal there's not, there's, cumulonimbus there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a gym rat as long as you don't act like you know it all the thing but that's being, what most gym rats do. The thing with uh, working out is <laughs> if you do it all the time, unless it's like on brand for you, mm-hmm. it's like, again, what is it doing? Like, that's what I don't get. Like, how is it? Okay, I, I got good. Okay, so it keeps you good physically. So for whatever else it needs to help you with, like you look good. Um, it keeps okay. you tip top mentally. So like it, you'll be on your best mental game. It also helps you release stress. So you won't be bearing a lot on your shoulders. Okay. Um, it keeps your, uh, body like for but whatever you, know you want to do in your life. Like it'll hours keep you. and out, like you spend six hours in the gym. No, I, or like I, you do I, like a three hour workout in the morning and then four addicted hours addicted to like, something. I'm thinking I'm about like addicted. need to do it every day. Okay, I guess it depends on how long. Cause like if you're yeah. if you're spending you know two hours every day, then that's like really good. I guess mm-hmm. I was like if you're doing it like all the time. No, I don't think you could do it all the time. So I mean, I was thinking I mean, more of like a, you. Yeah, there's people. There, there, is, there is people that marathon do. Um, they probably don't have a bad back though. Um, no, I'm just kidding. And um, so but with with reading, that's that's a good thing to like gain knowledge. But how would you apply that if you're addicted to it? That's my only issue with reading. Like yeah. reading is amazing, right? Yeah. But I know so many people that read books all day, they don't do shit. Yeah, no, it. that's definitely true. I was, it was like a, um, it's just a fun answer like your guys's, yeah, yeah. but it was, uh, and I think that it can take you away from the social aspect of things. And um, you know, there, I, again, there's so many people that I know as well that read all the time, read everything. And yeah, it's don't like, it. they know a lot, but how are they Don't living life it. and like how are they happy and all like there's so many questions that go along with it and i guess the obviously this is why you call it an addiction like there's yeah. a 
certain amount of um you know the the activity that is appropriate okay. and then and then when it and goes then. too far it's yeah. like what are you like there was a guy that i remember um i forget what he had maybe it was a photographic memory or like an extreme condition of it but he used to flip through books and he would like know every single page so he was able to learn like you know tens of languages and oh, he knew all nice. the languages but he was just reading and learning so much that it was like you, he's not traveling he's not like meeting people from everywhere and it's just like all right i mean that's great but what did mm-hmm. it do for you you know so right. yeah so as long as you're applying whatever you're doing so for example games you're applying your f- quick reflexes and working out you're applying it to whatever your real life needs you for and for books you're applying the knowledge somewhere well nobody said drugs so that's good yeah there you go Bare <laughs> <laughs> minimum over here Wow. All right. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning into an episode of Strange Flavors. My name is Shimmer. I'm Faraz. My name is Amber. And this is brought to you by Olive Theory, the strangest and greatest podcast in the game. Mm-hmm. We're all here. We're all breathing, living. Um, if you want to email us, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. If you want to email us or send us your music, like the artists we have today, um, or you want to send us your cousin's music, your uncle's music. Remember your... we said strictly no cousins? No cousins. I want to no apply uh, a strict no cousin. We know what... But uncles. Uncles are fine? Uncles are fine. The cousin uncles plug is what I'm against. I know but what a cousin plug is. Unless your cousin means. is your friend. Yeah. Nope. No, actually no. No? No. Oh, okay. Well, no cousins allowed. No cousins. But uncles, <laughs> we want to hear that old traditional classic music. We love that. Uh, uh-huh. You can email that at strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com. And if... You guys enjoy this podcast. You can share it with them and share it with your whole family. Share with your cousins. And if you don't know where we are, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your podcast. Just be like, hey, Strange Flavors is here. Strange Flavors is there. Mm -hmm. And if you want to see our beautiful faces and my beautiful background, it's on YouTube. Are you in Cali, every week. I'm in California. Are you calling in from Cali right now? I'm I'm in California surfing the waves. Weather looks beautiful, That's crazy. Yeah, it's really hot right now, but you know trying to make do (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah and if you want to follow us on social media you can everywhere facebook ig twitter and if you want to support this podcast like our wonderful executive producer bobber bagel bobber bagel wow you can thank you so much link in the description two-time supporter bobber bagel two-time supporter yeah shout out out. um thank you for bringing in that amazing uh news from california shamir we appreciate you going all the way there for mm-hmm. this awesome news and reporting um, live <clears throat> reporting live reporting as always uh guys listen up uh i've been um kind of heavy thinking about what this podcast was going to be like the past few days and honestly i didn't want to do anything i was like man this with the situation going on in america right now with uh the protests um against um the the way that police the police brutality. have been the police brutality and uh that comes with the the murder of george floyd i'm calling him murder because uh, it was um right. it's been really tough to sort of deal with uh reality because every time you go on social media and everywhere you look and literally if you go outside it's just like there people are extremely emotional people are being mm-hmm. affected by this and it's insane that this is you know that this is still happening in America to this day. So we don't wanna keep um, your spirits down or anything. Uh, and we do wanna do the show 
um, as normal, but we want to give sort of our perspective on things and maybe we can talk it out and maybe you'll be able to relate to some things or have a greater understanding or greater curiosity for the way that, you know, we're experiencing it. So I think uh, starting it off, I mean, like one of the main things that we continue to see is, you know, everybody is in support of George Floyd and his family and, and, you know, the wrongful killing of um, innocent, unarmed black men. Um, But then the narrative sort of changes when we have all of this media sort of perverting that news of um, bringing the the riots and the lootings and, and, you know, the conservatives and our president saying certain things that that go against the entire movement. The language, the language being used. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like right off the bat, let's just like talk about that aspect. And if can you be um, for one thing, uh, which is like the justice for George Floyd and against the lootings and, you know, not change the narrative and the message of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like Amber, I th- I you, think you shared that thing that Target shared um, about their store being looted. I mean, let me start off with this. I, I think that the reason um, that this is a very uh, important time and honestly in history is that we have a recording of the entire situation start to finish. So there, you know, even in the Ahmad Arbery place, the ones that we, we talked about it in a few podcasts ago, there was just so much people, because it wasn't fully recorded, didn't have the da-da-da, this and that, people were trying to like tear it apart. In this situation, you saw really the whole situation kind of unfold. And it's hard That's to That's why I called it, it a murder too, because we are yeah. all witnesses to it. Yeah. It's, it's hard to deny something that's fully right there, you know, and some people have chosen not to watch it. And I completely respect that choice. It is a hard video to watch. And you definitely don't have to, you know, partake in watching those things if you know where you stand and everything like that. And um, if, if it, you know, sends you into a wrong pathway, only do what you're comfortable in this time period. However, there is... Um, a lot of uh, rhetoric on the internet that's kind of like, you know, I am feeling bad for George Floyd, but what are they doing with this looting and but, the approach? Always that word, right. but. It's always it's always a but. And, and, and right there, Frost, you're pointing out a really good point is that it, it's taking um, the, the focus off of what's important. It's taking it mm. off of what's happening. And so when it comes to. Real quick on that, like when it went all of my. So you guys know that I grew up in a very conservative area, so I've been around that type of energy my whole life. Um, my my Facebook friends who um, were saying anything about this issue only came into the picture when it was about the butt. They never right. said anything about George Floyd, and a lot of them still haven't. Mm-hmm. They haven't said anything about that. They only have a problem. They're only offended when it comes to the materialistic things and the physical things and not... They never came in. They yeah. they only brought up George Floyd when there was a butt attached to it, and never yeah. before it. And that's yeah. where right. it's just like so disheartening. And the thing I is, think, like I materialistic that, th- materialistic things can be replaced. Lives can't. And mm-hmm. that's what's so sad about these. That. I think that that really proves the intention, though. It, it's it's what you speak up about that that m- it matters to you. Whatever you're speaking up about is what matters to you. And if you're going to speak up about the rioting and the looting and not the actual situation that's at hand, sh- proves. Honestly, to anybody listening and watching, 
what matters to you. And so I had a few questions from my personal friends and we had this conversation in our circle is that they were like, guys, I don't know how to feel. I, I, I do support the situation. I just don't know how to feel about the rioting and looting. And I did want to make this point very quickly. Um, when we protest peacefully and when we post our posts on social media, to be quite frank, those are the things that the government wants because essentially we're not bothering them when we're doing those things. Those are peaceful ways of going about. You're not disrupting the system in any way. The way that I have been looking at the rioting and the looting is in a way that when you are now doing this, you are these are public service attention that you're trying to get. When you're causing this disruption, you're making them dispatch these uh, police officers, you're making them focus on something. It's not just in the background, oh, there's a talk in the air, oh, there's a few peaceful protesters over there. You're not bothering them with that. When it's a loud uproar, and, and might I add, in history, all of these types of situations is what has caused change. When it comes to slavery, women's rights movement, segregation, all historical moments have had these. And I'm not saying that it excuses it, but it's honestly proven that it works. And the only reason why is that the people that are the public servants, the, the where our money goes, we are telling them to focus on the issue. There's a systematic issue when it comes to the training of the cops that there is um, when it comes to um, how they police in poverty stricken neighborhoods, when it comes to how they um, profile people and the type of people that they're profiling, who that they're more likely to arrest. All those things are so deep rooted in our system. And a time like this is taking a moment to go ahead and say, reflect, reflect on what is going wrong and what is it that we need to change in our system. And and I think well, that this is also important. that. The, um, you know, everybody perceives things differently. And as Shamir mentioned, the whole, you know, it's a physical thing, these buildings and stuff and the lives, um, you know, can't be replaced, but the buildings can. And there's people that, you know, like Target, like uh, some people of certain shops like Bobby Hundreds and um, and this Bengali uh, owner of this uh, mm -hmm. restaurant, they were all like, you know what, it's fine that our buildings burned down, we support the protesters, right? Not everybody feels that way. And that's obviously understandable. Some people have put their entire lives into making a certain restaurant or family business and for to get destructed in this mess while they're probably supporting the protesters. Um, you know, you that is a, a consequence of the system. It's not right. It's still illegal. Nobody is saying that these things are uh, you know, legal or, or let them go and do that. It's just like, you have to understand that at the end of the day, this is a fault of the people who are in charge. These people have tried the peaceful protest when it came to the kneeling and uh, with Colin Ka Kaepernick and everyone, you know, he literally got kicked out of the NFL, the NFL and he yeah. called a son of a bitch. And, you know, like, Dismissed how are you supposed to feel? in every peaceful way. There was so many peaceful protests and um, for that, fifty plus years, and like, still, and they're still, still, they were shut down and they were um, retaliated against, and then now you see the result of people just being fed up. And mm -hmm. again, I say that you know, it's not like it's a justified thing, but you have to be understanding of these people's emotions, and they have nothing to lose at this point. There's people crying in the streets of, "I'm willing to put my life on the line." for my people, for their future, mm -hmm. for my kids, 
for everybody growing up. Yeah. And as you said, this all serves as a distraction. Who are causing some of these riots? It's not all protesters. It's mm -hmm. many people um, who have been uh, identified as, as not members of any organizations that were leading peaceful protests. There's a lot of, uh, you know, white, young, reckless kids mm -hmm. that are taking this opportunity people to- people who are also taking time yep. to um, be a part of the looting and they're, they're smashing things. things. And it adds there's a dude to the showing up with a bo There's a dude showing up with a bow and arrow. There's All right, a dude that, that guy, showed up with a, a that sword. That guy is so dumb. I saw yep. that video of the guy. What did you think was going to happen with a single bow and arrow that takes a hot minute to reload and stuff like yeah. that? You, bro, you deserve what's happening to you if you're going to show up and try to attack, like violently attack people. You could have, you could have prevented yep. that on yourself, and then they're interviewing those people. That's the same situation of the like that the Karen of Central Park, they call her, um, who was complaining uh, and trying to call the police on that man who was bird watching and told her to obey the law and put her dog on the leash. And yeah. she knew exactly what she was doing. Right. She knew that by uh, threatening to call the police, by having a literal like movie scene play out like the movie Get Out in front of him while screaming and saying, I can't hear you, I'm being attacked and whatever else she's saying while right. choking her dog and almost killing it. These people know exactly what they're doing and they want to cover up the problem with all these other distractions, including the people that are being set up uh, to go and create. And, and by the way, this has been in history for the longest time. There are organizations that send out these people to create these distractions from the further problem. And also, yeah, there's, believe it or not, there's organizations like... Um, like the ones that are protesting, there's organizations within that that exist to make money off of protests on both sides. Like, I know that that might be a shocker for people, but there's people that want uh, racism to exist so that continue they continue to make money in the same way that, you know, uh, cancer research and uh, these prescription pill companies, they all make money. Uh, there's a lot of people making money off of racism on both sides. So you mm -hmm. have to truly look at the situation on your own and, and politics and do yeah. some reading, look at both sides and, and the, realize the, that this is not it, like a political thing. You don't have to make it a political thing no matter what somebody tells you. And mm -hmm. they make it a political thing when it's not them because we've seen multiple times of them burning down their cities after a football game, after a hockey game. Mm -hmm. And like, and the city taxpayers, the people pay millions of dollars just to recover this, but they don't say anything when that happens, right? Like mm -hmm. I remember Philly, that went crazy. When the Caps won in DC, Fire trucks are blown up, all that stuff. Like things went crazy. No one said a word. Yeah. No one and said I, a word. I mean, a I few think people it's insane did, that, like, uh, Frash, you made this point on your story the other day that, like, the music that we indulge in and the culture that we indulge in, so many of us want to take part in black culture, but when it takes time to stick up for black culture, they're nowhere to be seen. And I really do hope that um, if you are reaping from the benefits of black culture and do partake in the entertainment um, that is provided by black people and uh, and has rooted from the origin of black people and black culture, that you are standing up to yeah. make a difference. The, the, and the thing is, the thing is, if you listen to music at all, it's from black people. Jazz, rock, rap, everything, black people have made a difference in changing that. Any movie you watch, black people are in that. They have directed movies, they have acted in movies, etc. Any sports, all the best athletes in the world are black. A lot of them are black. International soccer, football, um, whatever, you name it. Black, 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 black. Everything is black. You ha this is not a 
like this is a human issue like mm-hmm. these these people are suffering and we have to help them as humans like for the human race you know? it's fear it's like you know they're so scared of what's going to happen once uh they they're able to it's the same thing with immigrants and all of that and like um you know we obviously have our own sort of stories when it comes to muslims in america and south asians in america or any immigrants um people mm-hmm. of color they all have their own story but at the bottom of of the chain is black people because of the color of their skin a lot of us mm-hmm. like people don't realize when they say like people that are constantly on caitlin bennett the gun girl tommy loren these people that want to say that white privilege is not a real thing how is white privilege not a real thing when brown privilege is a thing i am and i say this all the time i feel far more privileged than a lot of white people that i grew up with I know so I know multiple languages. I grew up in different parts of the world. I know how to communicate and and imagine one of these things for brown people growing up in America. We're cool with the whites, we're cool with the blacks. So many of us that we can we can make our way in and out of these uh these groups without facing any sort of consequences. And it's easy for us and convenient for us to say to take things from black culture and uh you know use it in our style, our language, mm-hmm. our for, uh, forms of entertainment. But then when it comes to standing up for them or facing the same sort of reality that they have to face, oh wait, no, I'm, I'm with the doctors and the lords and engineers. Our community mm-hmm. is better than this. And that becomes problematic right there when it's like you don't realize your own privilege. So being white, like that, that goes across the board. It's in our culture too. It's mm-hmm. light-skinned people. It's in black culture, it's in every culture. Yeah, colorism exists in almost every culture out there. Yeah. And then when I see, um, you know, I was watching YouTube uh, a a few days ago, and, you know, this has just started emerging, all this talk. And I was watching a uh, Nelk Boys video and then a Danny Duncan video. And for some reason, both of their thumbnails, they didn't know that this was coming, but it it was like a prank on cops. Uh, the Nelk boys were doing a prank on cops where they were pretending to drink and drive and it was 0% alcohol. And the way that they were treated, right? This was not like a, an experiment or anything. This was mm-hmm. just, they had made this video. But the cop went up and, you know, he just, he was like, hey, what are you drinking? Like, you can't be doing that. And they were messing with him like crazy. And then he eventually looked at the can and he's like, what is this? And then he, he started laughing with them. And he treated them so well, started joking around. And they said like, why don't you have some? He's like, ah, oh, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm on shift. And then the Danny Duncan video, the these guys, um, they they trespassed into a to a closed place that was, um, you know, closed um, because of Corona or whatever. And it was this this uh, like Sky Zone type place with trampolines and stuff. Mm-hmm. The police had found them. They were in there. They're not supposed to be in there. And uh, eventually, they got the police to start doing flips with them. And that like. I know what I'm watching is entertainment, but at the same time that this stuff is going on in America, it's literally like, it blows my mind. I'm like, whoa, this would never happen. And yeah. I, I can give a sort of instance of this example when I really like, growing up, I was always taught as well that, you know, cops are good people, they help you out and stuff. And I would hear these things about uh, black people being mistreated. I didn't know that it was a real thing. And frankly, I didn't really believe it. I was like, they probably did something. I was on that side, right? I was like. They had to have done something for them to be treated this way, right? Um, I had an experience in uh, College Park, actually. I was picking up my sister, and um, I had some friends in the car with me. 
this, these two guys were in a Hummer and they back up into me and uh, hit my car while I'm in it. And I get out of the car, I like tap on their window. I'm like, hey, you just, you just hit me. And they were like, what? No, we didn't. And there were these like, you know, rednecky guys. They come out of the car, big dudes. Um, they start looking at the car. I was like, look, there's a dent right here. And they start harassing everybody in the car. Well, uh, go ahead and call the police. You guys probably have drugs in the car. We're like, no, we don't. And then um, eventually they didn't want to do anything. I wanted to handle it without the police. I call the police. They uh, drive off. The police comes and they're like, um, yeah, we'll try to we'll try to do something about it. They're like very casual about the whole thing. They asked me to explain. I was and then uh, after like I think. 40 minutes or so they were like yeah we can't do anything about it um they drove off and i showed them the pictures of the license and everything and then instead of getting to the bottom of the situation he starts asking me so where are you from and i was like what and he's like oh like what country are you i was like um Pakistan. does this does this matter and he was like oh yeah they got like nukes over there right and i was like security my face, like, is asking this this is not security this is police Oh my god. We weren't even dealing with the with the security. This is police that showed up from PG County and there and my face just kind of like washed. I was like, what's going on right now? And they didn't they didn't like threaten me. They didn't do anything to me, but I realized very quickly that because of the way that I look, these cops are not taking me seriously for whatever reason and like automatically and, and it's you unexplainable. Sort of huh? I said almost assuming that you must have some fault in it. And like, yeah, like like I have video proof and photo evidence and everything, and still they were being this way towards me. Now, I, I say this story because it's like if that even happened to me, somebody who you, – you guys hear me all the time. I'm not with like PC, and, and I'm often criticizing liberal people and whatever, and I've grown up around – you know this sort of conservative culture so i i get both sides most of the time but when something happens to you in that way you immediately understand their hat that like i get it like there are mm -hmm. police that are literally killing black people because of the way that they look because they just don't even take them seriously don't like them right. because of this little tiny thing that happened to me and that was nothing i'm yeah. just giving perspective as to like yeah, like it can, it does happen. And, and I think, and I think that's important. Like when I, I've had this conversation with other bound people who, you know, might use the N word or might like try to say that their struggle is greater than the black community. And I've always said, you might, I'm not saying that you don't have issues. I'm saying that when it comes down to it, your life is not going to be threatened in the way that a black person's life will be threatened. Like we i've been called oh like everybody's uh, i'm not gonna say everybody most uh brown people like oh yeah like uh saddam hussein is your uncle like oh bin laden da -da. Mm -hmm. those are jokes and those are things and sure they hurt and whatever but the reality is my life was never threatened the way that a black man or a black woman or people of color who have those situations if i was in situations that i've been in some sketchy situations in college where i know i've gotten away with it because of the fact that I am not black and I was around majority black people. So like, I knew that that was almost, that, that was my privilege there. So and I here's mean, the thing, I, like even if you were, even if your life was threatened, even if there's people in our DMs saying, yo, what about, you know, 
um, Muslim countries who are suffering? What about the Muslims in China? What about the Muslims uh, in Palestine, in Syria, in India? It's like, yes, this is the exact reason that we need to stand up for black people in America right now is because oppressed people are oppressed people and you should help out whoever you can. And this relates to something that we're seeing in broad daylight right now. It's in front of us and that doesn't that doesn't mean that you disqualify any of the other causes we just went through an entire month of ramadan where i'm really proud of our muslim communities that that uh, you know i know that raised so much money because they didn't spend it on iftars and eid outfits this year they put the donations were out of the roof this time of like helping other people but now it's like if we want people to care about our causes then we have to care about be an ally we have to we have to sh- uh, show up for our brothers and sisters who are suffering in front of us right now, and that doesn't mean that you care about one more than the other. It means that you care about, you know, the the exact thing that you're donating towards for the sake of whatever you say it is, whether it be God or whatever. Um, and and the thing is, or like humankind, you are yeah, you are if you, if you only care about your people then you're you're the problem because mm-hmm. then you're asking other people to care about your people as well and you're like why is this oppression going on blah 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 it's like mm-hmm. no if you care about people then you care about black people period and and you would think, do something about it i think just to kind of end this whole topic off and obviously we can go on for this for a really long time because this is a very you know prominent issue right now and there is a lot to say about this topic Um, And this is just something small. I I do appreciate being surrounded by individuals like Frost and Shamir and other like-minded individuals who are speaking out on social media and who are taking place and having these actual, um, like being aware, aware of our privilege and speaking out because I have a lot of people in my life who aren't like that and who are, and I see the negatives of that and I see how harmful that is. So I do appreciate you guys in my life and I appreciate my other friends who are also being um, aware and speaking out and just know that it means something and I I see it and I respect it. Same here. I also wanna say on that, like when you have expectations for other brown people, that you know have been problematic their whole life when you have expecta- expectations for other celebrities uh, that you know like the Kardashians whoever it might be uh, you know you when you when you're listening or consuming their content in the first place or just being around them what expectations did you have from the beginning when you know somebody who has been doing good work from the beginning like you you don't you're not surprised when they show up and they're doing things so you don't have to like rely on anybody else to to speak up for you as long as you're doing the work it all adds up and it all ends up benefiting that's why like you know we never had a discussion about like hey guys should we do this uh release a message for Alif theory or ronopono or whatever whatever because it's like we're living this right now i could care less about those things like it's they're just that's that's what we do for fun that's yeah like we're gonna you know continue to make content and everything but like right now on I'm speaking as level. me. I'm I'm speaking as me, yeah. I, and you're speaking as you, and we're doing what we can. Like Shamir was, you know, out in the streets today protesting. He was really with the people. Um, if you want to speak about that a little bit, like what that was like, and how the media is sort of like just explaining what the riots were. What was that experience like? Did you see any riots, I, or was I was so I I wanted to go and see like this for myself. I w- also wanted to support those that need the support. Um, and I had the time and I had my, you know, physical body to be there. 
Uh, so I went and I, honestly, I was kind of nervous. I was like, are there going to be riots? Are there going to be things that are uh, being thrown? Is it going to be violent? I was ready to be tear gassed. I literally bought um, goggles. I bought N95 mask. I, like I was prepared if that were to happen mm. because I needed to see what was going on on these front lines myself. Now, thankfully, maybe um, I came at a very peaceful time. There was a bunch of people amazing showing support and it was a very peaceful protest and mm. like everyone was super peaceful however i did see remnants of the night before mm. gucci stores robbed um boards all the way up like a lot of windows were shattered a lot of things were stolen and looted but it wasn't as um scary as they made it out to be on the news and they kind of showed that like on the news that oh it's happening everywhere it's not there's in all these cities there's peaceful protests happening all the time i think in specific times there are riots happening and I, maybe i just missed that but yeah and we should um, we should know that better than anybody when it comes to like our countries as muslims or south asians uh the way that we're seen in the news versus like what our you know personal experiences are we know better than anybody and and we need to be above that and uh i, I want to say last thing with this um on my end is that all of this comes down to one word uh, for me, and that's uh, leadership. Uh, if if you have the right leader that you trust, that everybody believes in, none of this is a problem from the beginning. Whether it be the way that we dealt with the coronavirus or, or this situation that has been ongoing for far too long. I don't care if it's Obama, Biden, whoever, right? There's this, uh, there's this uh, Prime Minister um, Jacinda Ardern from New Zealand. Have you guys heard of her? I have not. So yeah. she is the one that had to deal with that um, mass shooting uh, with the Christchurch. And the way um, that she dealt with that was so empathetic. She was with the people immediately, with the Muslim community. She did not name the shooter. She did not publicize him. She condemned him. She spoke so uh, monstrous of of him and people like him and said that the Muslim communities that are here, the Muslim people that are here, are New, Ze New Zealanders. It doesn't matter how long they've been here for a year or, or they grew up here for however long. She was with them, with the families, talking to them, crying with them. I'm not saying you have to cry with them, but you have to be there with them. You have to understand people's pain and why it's happening. And then she also, like all within, I think, the last year, she dealt with a volcano that was extremely deadly. And she dealt with the coronavirus so well that everybody listened to her strict orders and the coronavirus is almost completely wiped out now um, in New Zealand. This, this is because of leadership. People trust their leader because she listens to them. She is there for them. She is up front right there where you can see them and is, is truly making efforts to change. And she also, by the way, right after that, she, uh, the, the shooting, she passed um, a bill to uh, ban uh, semi-automatic weapons and within the next week I believe it was gone semi it, it wasn't they weren't allowed to have that anymore so this is called action right instead of saying that you loot we shoot and all of these other things that are only inciting more violence that are only uh, causing people more hurt and and more uh, distance from the people that are supposed to lead them right it, it's gonna what do you expect to happen what, if it's not riots and destruction and all of that. These people don't feel that they are uh, accounted for, that their lives matter, clearly. Just has they, not been done to them, so why should they act accordingly? 
and and they're asking each other for questions and i'm not pretending to know the answers here none of us are pretending to know the answers because we don't know because the people whose job it is supposed to know the answers to get to the bottom of it aren't doing their job and well, so if put we in had the right orders have not put in the right orders yeah so if we had the right leadership i like and it sucks that like right now it's like between two people uh, and, and we've talked about this before but don't look at donald trump and joe biden if there's people within your communities encourage them uh to to go up and and lead efforts different organizations and people who are on the polls right now going down the ballot whether it be running for positions like mayor or, or whatever else um make sure that you read up on them because they're the ones that can ultimately create real change and speak up for your communities so there are there are you know leaders in different communities around the country that are doing a great job uh that are and, and you see that with with policemen and police chiefs standing in arms with their with with the people that are protesting and that's great to see but at the end of the day people don't know what to do and you're supposed to like fix the problem not cause more destruction um so yeah i mean like let us know uh, your guys' thoughts on this, and and we hope that everybody keep the conversation well, going. We're, we read all the comments on all of our social media. We we definitely will be engaging in these conversations, and I'm looking forward to see your guys' perspective on this. So go ahead, engage in whatever comment section that yeah. you find. Please just don't get distracted. I beg you not to get distracted in anything else. Remember what the root of the problem is, and remember that you are a part of history. And when your kids and your grandkids ask you, you know, what was that time like? Make sure you were on the right side of history. That's what I would say. And, and I don't care that our podcast or anything like that puts on a certain um, agenda or whatever. I've and and our whole brand, I live theory and everything has always been about you know uh, the people and and helping people and and making sure that our voices are not wasted. We don't care about money or anything like that. We care about people enjoying our content and and being heard. So, and if you're uh, black and you distracted. partake in our content, um, just know that we also see you and that we stand with you and that, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping that history goes in the way that we hope. Yes. And uh, I'm sorry that went on for a bit long. Obviously, like this is going to be an ongoing thing. Um, and, and this is a real time we're living in. We're, we don't want to come off inauthentic in any way. This is re very Absolutely. real and this was heavy on our hearts. So um, I think uh, we'll, we'll continue to talk about more topics. Uh, in the future, but we have taken up a lot of time, so I'd like to introduce the guest um, at this time. And, and this is great because he is also experiencing in the real world what's going on. Um, so without further ado, uh, our stranger today is a Los Angeles-based rapper and producer who makes contemporary hip-hop that draws off his experience growing up as a first-generation American Muslim from an, uh, from an immigrant household. Yeah, so, yeah, everybody, please yeah, welcome Hasib. Yeah. Speeding down my lane while I'm sleeping is a shame. Is you dreaming or you working? Both meanings ain't the same. Opening my eyes because these snakes running game. I'm just focused on the prize while these fakes hunt the fame. Yo. Summertime, fall, winter, spring. Feeling good, feeling great. Summertime, fall, winter, spring. What's going on, Hasib? What's popping? Man, you look, uh, you look drained. Are you okay? I'm, I'm, you yeah, good? yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I honestly, I'm gonna be honest, man. Like, I haven't really been sleeping much these, these past mm -hmm. few days. Mm -hmm. um, because of what's been going on. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a few things. I think like after Ramadan, my sleep schedule was like all, all messed up anyway. You yeah, know what I mean? Same. And then, um, so I've been. I was trying to fix that, and then you know what I mean. Everything kind of hit the fan and went crazy, and 
I don't know, man. I, I go down rabbit holes when I'm like yeah. in something. I, I start like, I don't know. I, I've been watching like nothing but riot live streams for hours, like at night. And it's not it's not even healthy to do so. But, you know, it's kind of like, unfortunately, where where, I, where I've been, you know what I mean? In my head. Yeah. You get consumed in it and just like, especially with the endless scrolling, you can watch news for a long time, but then eventually you start seeing the same videos and kind of the same thing. But with social media, it's a whole different game now. And once you start on Twitter or whatever, it's just like, it's hard to stop. Cause, Very true. And, and especially like you, it's, it gets kind of confusing, right? Like of what's, you start to hearing so many different people with so many different opinions. Um, you're, so you're in LA right now. You said you just got an alert on your phone. What's mm-hmm. your uh, perspective of what's kind of been going on and um, what's LA like right now? So, you know, I'm gonna start by saying I, I haven't been at the protests and I haven't I haven't been marching or on the front lines. You know what I mean. So I want to okay. I want to be like respectful of that and let people know that my perspective is uh, one from one from home. And you know, as much as I want to be out there, there's a couple family things going on. I have a really important weekend coming up next weekend on some family personal stuff. And like, mm. you know, my girl was like, "Do not go outside. <laughs> we have an important weekend. Do not go outside." Mm. So. I was like, all right, let me, you know, let me do what I can from home. Um, so that, that's like, I just want to kind of put that out there. Uh, but mm-hmm. from what I'm observing from my, my Twitter feed or CNN or whatever, or from what friends are telling me, friends who are there, is, you know, this is what it looks like to me, bro. Uh, and sis, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, It's okay. I consider myself a boy, by the way. <laughs> all right for sure you can't you can't say that in this age amber people will actually take it literally I, yeah, I, I, mean, I consider myself wait. one of the boys okay all right all right i mean hey you know i don't i, I don't discriminate on on gender identity you feel me so <laughs> whatever 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 your preference is i got you um but getting back to it like what, what i'm noticing is it looks like people are are peacefully assembling right um, I know at Pan Pacific Park off Fairfax and Third, um, one of my homegirls went yesterday, and you know that's the one I wanted to go to. Unfortunately, I did not. But what I noticed and what I've been told is that people are are coming together peacefully. They're trying to protest. They're trying to march, and then they're having standoffs with the police. And the police will do something provocatory, like hit someone with the club, or spray somebody with mace, or shoot rubber bullets, or NYPD driving a car through a barricade. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, there's dozens of clips you can find of, of police that are, are, are being provocative and, and, and instigating violence at these places. And then chaos starts to erupt. And then when chaos erupts, that's when the opportunists come out and start doing fuck shit. You know what I mean? And start. And that's what gets you know, documented. Right. And that's what CNN will have on loop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, CNN been showing the same footage in North Philadelphia being, you know, being, being looted the same 10 second clip over and over again and they're like this really you know takes away from from the main like you know cause and it's like bro y- y'all are the ones who have it on loop mm. even for um, los angeles i was watching the news yesterday um while i was at work there like the tv's on and like for LA they they were playing just like the same burning car in one area there's all the people are everywhere else but they'll have it just on the burning car for like 10 15 minutes straight 
yeah. and then keep on playing mm-hmm. that same car back. Even today, I went to like a protest today, and I was like, kind of scared. I was like, is there gonna be riots? Is there gonna be stuff going on? It was really peaceful for the most part, like everything I saw. So yeah, it's just the media. Yeah. It's the media, it's the police, it's the looters, it's a whole lot of other shit going on that that does take away from the message, unfortunately. And, you know, not to be a conspiracy theorist, man, but, like, the the, the dope thing about the internet nowadays is, like, you know, what what people used to do, like, low-key and hidden behind the scenes, like, it gets exposed because of cell phone cameras. Man, I'm seeing a lot of clips of people that don't look like protesters who are, are... causing and stirring up riots and setting fires to buildings and throwing bricks mm-hmm. through buildings that in my opinion bro they look like they look like the establishment they look like the state you know what i mean it, it looks mm-hmm. like like trained people who are are trying to you know cause this craziness um because there's politics behind all of it man we're in an election year you know what i mean obviously like right. whatever whatever the outcome of this is going to be man i just hope it's something good and, you know, I think, like, we're all Desi in this chat, right? Everyone is yeah. from Desi Descent. <laughs> yeah. I think this is, like, a, a you know, uh, I just put this on my Instagram right now, like, on my story. But I think, like, this is the, the this, for us, this is the time where we could just, like, kind of, if we don't have, like, the knowledge or the education ourselves, like, we can kind of, you know, try to learn more about the plight of African Americans in this country and then, like, really educate our parents and our aunties and uncles and, like, you know, the people that don't get it. Um, or who may not get it because they they come from a different place and their experience is different. You know what I mean? And mm. um, I don't know. You know? Yeah. It's um, <clears throat> I want to ask you, like, you know, I, I do want to talk about uh, you today as well. But uh, some one of the things that your music provides is that sort of socially conscious uh, topic and and experiences that you've had um, growing up, what you've seen, um, and and the, the problems that you see with society and culture and things like that um, and the way that you and your people being, you know, they see people are perceived. So when you see something like this, um, you know, does that does that relate to your experience of, um, you know, what you've uh, seen, whether it be growing up in the U.S., how Muslims have been perceived or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I'm I grew up. Yeah, out here in Southern California in a Desi household, but I grew up on black culture. Um, so you always and, lived in California your whole life? Yeah, I was born in New York, but I didn't really stay out there long at all. Uh, for the I most feel like whenever, when I'd hear your music, you had like a, New York. it seemed like a New York accent. Yeah. Or, especially my earlier stuff, yeah, because I grew up on, I grew up on New York hip hop, like Mob Deep and okay. Nas, and like that was the kind of, that was the kind of hip hop I was listening to, um, hmm. you know, so I and was- And that cons- formed like- your literal voice <laughs> yeah I, I would say like it's i don't know man there's certain things like i say that are la accent ish you know what i mean or the, the way it is if i say like hey yo like get over here like the way i say here like new yorkers don't say here that like was, that well that you was know scorpion from mortal kombat get over here that's great yeah. <laughs> that's a mortal kombat accent right <laughs> right um i don't know man I, i've had like just just a lot of different influence in terms of like you know my homies out here growing up or mm. listening to new york hip-hop or mm. one of my ogs who like took me on tour very early was from detroit so like i picked up some detroit slang around the way or whatever you know what i mean Got it. and um i'm kind of like i think i think being a desi kid out here is like we we absorb we absorb a bunch of different shit right and and when we were young there was no Hassan Minaj on TV. 
you know what I mean? Or we didn't have any examples of ourselves like in media or we didn't have anyone to look to and be like, oh, yeah, like that person's cool. Like I want to emulate that person. Mm. So, you know, like we we take our influence from wherever we took it from. And for me, like, you know, I have to like give that credit to, you know, black culture in America through hip hop music and movies and media. And then just like even my friends, like, you know, um, and in regards to my music, going back to like the music side of it. Yeah. Growing up um, in California. Like, like that experience? my, my music touches on the things that I've kind of experienced and like, you know, I'm not going to front like, like I didn't grow up in the projects. You feel me? So like my story is not the story of the projects. Right. Um, but facing certain things like, you know, being pulled over by the narcs and like me and my homies being, you know, guns drawn on us and stuff like that, or being at a party in the hood and people getting shot, like that kind of stuff is peppered in my music, along with stuff like the masala in my mom's spice cabinet. Like that's mm-hmm. important to me, you know what I mean? Or, or you know what I mean? Like the certain Islamic references and whatnot. Nine Eleven, <laughs> I've heard that. Boom. Exactly. Yeah. That uh, you know the way that brown people were treated in America after that. Absolutely, you know, and just being brown in America, being Muslim in America, like. We've we've experienced um, prejudice and forms of racism. I just think the biggest difference between what we've experienced and what black people will experience is the systemic part of it. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but yeah, so you, you, I guess you get that in my music. And for me, it's always been challenging to to make music like that because it's like I, I have to. I don't know. I, I want to like. I never want to come across as like the preachy rapper or like the conscious rapper or whatever, mm-hmm. right? But like, but like, I do consider my music to be more thought provoking rather than like more turn up or party music, and you know that's just my style of that's the kind of shit that I grew up on. You know, Most Def, Talib Kweli, Black Thought, The Roots, uh, Lupe Fiasco, uh, Nas. Um, you know, like the the artists who I grew up on were storytellers, and they they were you know being more a little more socially conscious and just uh, delivering a message. So that's all I try to do. When man. did you start rapping? third grade (laughs) how just like because you wanted to or uh well i always listened to hip-hop as far as i can remember i have an older brother and he used to make tapes um you know uh the radio station in the inland empire in southern california it was uh it was called 99.1 kggi and every night at nine o'clock they play the fat five at nine and it'd be like five new songs on the radio and my brother he would you know he had like a a boom box that had like a tape tape deck in it so he would throw in a blank tape and if it was like a dope song that would come on he would hit record and play at the same time bloop, bloop, mm. and it would it would it would record what was on the radio onto the tape so he didn't even know what he was doing but he was making mixtapes <laughs> you, you, you know what i mean and essentially like that was like my first kind of like introduction to it and then one of my older cousins who you know he's like he's probably like 40 now or something like that but you know, he was always banging hip hop in his car, and you know, he had, he had like, he had a big ass system in his car and like rims on his car and shit like that. So I, I always just taken in this influence, and then once again, like absorbing black culture through TV and music and media. And then in third grade, what had happened was, what had happened was, is um, we had to read a, a poem out of the literature book. Uh, it was language arts, is what they called it in elementary school out here. Mm-hmm. And we, we had to read a poem out of the the uh, English book in front of the class. And the one I picked was, um, it was like written as a rap and it was called Nathaniel Be Free. And so I read that poem in front of the class and it was kind of like a rap. 
um, and then like the class like clapped or whatever, you know what I mean? I was like, oh snap! They're like, oh yo, you, you sounded good. Like that sounded good. And I'm like, shit, I can write my own shit. So I, I started I started writing my own shit, and then you know, very early on, like I don't know, man, almost as far back as I can remember. Like I've, I've always just just done it, you know. Well, when was it that, um, like you said, we never had uh, the Hasan Minajes and, and, I mean, the Brown Rappers just started, like, you know, forming now or, or becoming a little bit more popularized. But how did you find your voice uh, instead of uh, imitating, you know, the black rappers that you had heard in New York or wherever it be, um, adding that sort of South Asian experience in it or Muslim experience in it? I think for me, it was it was about, like, getting comfortable with my own identity. You know what I mean? Because, like... What did that take? Honestly, man, it's it's really hard to say. Like when I look back, um, there was a point in my life where I was like embarrassed of being desi, man. You know what I mean? And and even now to this day, like it's not something I'm not like, yo, I am the desi rapper. You know what I mean? Like that's not how I get down. Like I I'd rather like give you that in like naturally in bits and pieces, but like. Uh, and I think another thing, like my family, we're kind of, I'm not going to say we're unique because I think this might be as many people might go through this, but like, I didn't have like one thing I identified with early on. Like, uh, you know, how some people are like, yo, I'm Punjabi or I'm Kashmiri or I'm, you know, That's literally I'm, us. Uh, you, you see, <laughs> that Amber's Kashmiri, I'm Punjabi. <laughs> Boom. There you go. Right. But I understand so, what you mean about not knowing how to identify with that, because even Kashmiri came as an identity for me later in life. Right. Yeah. And I'm so, from Karachi like, and I don't have that. I have that similar experience as you. Right. So, like, for example, my parents were born in a country called Burma. Um, you see what I'm saying? And Burma is, is next to Bangladesh and um, Thailand and Vietnam. Uh, in Rangoon, but our ancestors are from Gujarat, India. So technically, ethnically, we're Gujarati, right? Mm-hmm. But but the Burmese government nationalized and, and started kicking Muslims out and killing Muslims and doing all kind of crazy shit. So then, you know, they went to Dhaka, Bangladesh, and then from Bangladesh, my dad ended up in Karachi. And so my my dad is like a you know a K town dude you know what I mean he's he's a Karachi representer like to the core you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and my mom went back to Gujarat India so it's like okay are we Pakistani are we Indian, we're definitely not Bengali even though we were in Dhaka for a couple years, mm. are are we Burmese because y'all were born in Burma like what 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 is it I don't know, yeah. it's geopolitics and I think that 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 caused a lot of confusion so when people ask I say like yo I'm Desi I'm South Asian but like. I don't like ride with any one flag or anything like that because it's just mad confusing to me. Yeah. Um, so you only recently, um, you said you've been rapping since third grade, but this project growth, I think that's when all of us actually uh, found your music through mutual friends and everything. Um, so what was it that made growth that first sort of album that you wanted to be like, all right, this is my first, it was your first album, right? No, nah, I wouldn't say that. Okay. It was my it was my first album that broke through the noise and like that actually that actually like did something. Uh, everything else was just very like local and and you know it wasn't. It was being all my previous projects were. were I don't want to say they were slept on because yeah. honestly, like I'm gonna be one hundred. Like they maybe they just weren't as good, you know. Okay. I, I don't I, know. I don't, like because some, some people say like mixtapes versus album and um, yeah. I don't it's know how, a, like since you brand yourself. Um, I'm looking at your stuff right now, but it's uh, 
it seemed like growth was that first sort of thing that you were like, all right, this is like official. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I see like, all right, before I even was going by Hasib, I was going by another name. I was going by Futuristic and I was like putting shit out as Futuristic and I had, I had an album that's called- a, That's a rapper, right? Yeah, Futuristic yeah, yeah he's, he's from, he's from Arizona. Like, so I was Futuristic at the same time this other dude was oh, and like wow. he started, he, he started mm -hmm. kind of buzzing faster than I did. And, you know, so I was like, oh, I got to change my name, you know? <laughs> I mean, there's like 50 <laughs> babies in the rap game right now. So I think it would have been. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But it, it was it was it was also symbolic of me, like finding myself and, and, and sure. you know what I mean? Kind of doing the thing that um, that made made me yeah. be me. You know what, what I mean? What is Hasib the few? That's your Instagram name and, and that's your website as well. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, it goes back to futuristic. So the homies would just call me few for short. Oh, oh wow. Dang. Right, and then and then in twenty thirteen, I'm saying I like there's not many of you. That's what I got of it. Well, so it's you know it's kind of like a you can you can make of it what you want. Like for for me, what like this that was like the uh, official thing that it became the few because the few was like short for futuristic. But you know if you look more like metaphorical or whatever. Um, you know, my brand of music and my style of music is not like for the masses. Like I don't make pop music um, and I've never made music like with the intention to like be uh, the most famous rapper or, or anything like that. Like I've always I'm like I'm from the underground, you know what I mean? And my, my music is, is for a niche audience. And, um, you know, like I, I kind of take pride in that. So when I think of like the people that listen to my music, like it, that's the few, you know what I mean? Like we are the few, um, you know. You, but yeah, that's that's what I came from. You yes. You mentioned that you had like other projects and songs. Like, how many projects did you have? Oh man, uh, let me start counting. Flow sessions, volume one, volume two, two point five, <laughs> stairways, the EP, Professor so, X, so you've fly trap. Because on Apple out, Music, when I go, eight, I see growth nine. and a song before growth. No, I got nine projects. Yeah, because a lot of stuff I took down because I wasn't necessarily even proud of it. And then a lot of stuff, uh, the first like the first one, two, three, four mixtapes and EP, the first five projects were in the era of CDs. Mm. And, you know, they weren't even really like on digital like that. Like there, I, I used to have a band camp back in the day. And I think like there, there's still people that like a few people that have those songs, um, mostly like close friends and family. You know what I mean? But that's not even music that I would like really want people to hear at this yeah. point. So you've been but. in this like forever, technically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so like, uh, what keeps you like going up until this point and like reaching this buzz? Yeah, I think I think um, I think one of the things is like, this is like it's who I am. It's not like what I do. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people try to rap, and that's that's all good. Like you know. I think if you have a calling, you should go for it and try it. Or if you even just want to fuck around and do it just for fun, like do it. Right. But for me, like there was never a moment where I was like, you know what? Like I want, I want to try to rap, but like I want to rap. Like, no, nah, I always just did. So for me, it's, it's like a natural thing to do. And, you know, in terms of like pursuing it at the level that I try to pursue it as, um, I get, I get a lot of energy from when, when, you know, like, when, for example, growth, going back to growth, right? Like yeah. mm -hmm. before I put that album out, I told my engineer, I was like, bro, if this album doesn't reach people, man, I don't know how long, how much longer I could do this shit. Right. Meaning how much longer I could pursue it, uh, it at this capacity. You know what I mean? Because on one and, of your posts, you said that that would be the determining factor if you would even go forth in music. 
Yeah. Why, like, why was sure. that so important to you for that specific album to reach a new Me- level? And mental health, mental health. You know, um, after a while, you know, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into something. You put time and money and effort into something. Um, and you know, you just want you just want people to hear it, man. That's really what it is. You want people to 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 hear it, and you know. For me, like I said, it's never been about being famous or anything like that. But like, I, I I do want people to hear what I have to say, and I'm gonna be honest. Like, you know, every rapper has an ego in some shape or form. But like, I I really think I'm nice though. Like, I think like I got bars, and and I think my music. Like, I think as an MC, like, the, you know, I'm I'm I can go bar for bar with with a lot of people, and the way I write patterns and write lyrics, like I'm very confident. And a lot of my heroes have like get, given me that cosign. A lot of my pe- like people who I grew up listening to, uh, you know, have have shaken my hand when I got off stage when I opened for them and been like, "Yo, you killed that shit," you know, good shit. So like when when you hear when you hear people say that, you know, it that kind of keeps me going. You know what I mean? It's like nah, like. I I know I could do this because Earl Sweatshirt just told me my shit is fire. Like, damn, I got to keep going. You know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. you know, did, did that actually happen? Yeah, that's awesome. Now I don't want to even name <laughs> drop, but like yeah. that's happened multiple times. I feel dumb for even saying that, but the <laughs> no, you moment, shouldn't. You shouldn't, shouldn't. And you shouldn't say I think before any of this stuff because you do have bars. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, yeah. like you <laughs> do have bars, and you should Thanks, feel man. like you are incredible because there's a lot of people that do this, and uh, you you kind of hear the same uh, style, you hear the same sort of uh, message or lack of message. And I told you this before, but like your music, when I heard growth, I had no idea who you were, but I resonated with it so much. The same way that I resonated with Eminem, who when I first heard, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know his story. I don't relate to his story, but the way that he told his story was so impactful in the same way that you told it that I think that anybody can pick up their headphones listen to it and then go back to that time that they first heard it and be like man mm. i remember what was happening when Word. i heard this thing right so you should like like please pat yourself yeah. on the back no, like you especially, are dope especially Thank when you, you say Appreciate that you, um the album success and all that having to do with mental health right when you dropped that album i was dealing with a lot of mental health issues myself and i remember that album being like my staple for that time period i used to listen oh, to wow. that through and through and i resonated with a lot of it it genuinely got me through a very hard time so i appreciate that man i that that means a lot to me yo and you know to hear that that that's why i think like that's why a lot of people i guess ask me if growth is my first album it's not but it is my first album that i think really reached people and, and had the ability to touch people in terms of like the quality of the music the delivery of the music the format the the presentation of it just what it was and what it is i think like I could look back at at my music career and growth is like the thing that I'll be like, yo, that's that's a moment that I was very proud of. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, all right, I got to create that again. And you know what I mean? Create like what's the next thing. So that's what I've been working on, trying to like make something that's as meaningful and that reaches people in the same way and that is as impactful. So it seems like you take these like uh, darker sides of your life and more like um, downing moments and really channel that into your music. Has that always been your coping mechanism? Yeah, for sure. I like, you know, I think. All right. So everyone's intention with music is not the same. People listen to music for different things. And for me, like one of the main things growing up, I would listen to to the styles of hip hop and the type of songs that, that hit me the most 
are ones where I could put my headphones on like late at night and just kind of like close my eyes and 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 vibe out and, and get to a certain place and like uh, thought provoking stuff, right? And you know, so for 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 me that that's the kind of music I try to make, and so those are the places that I, I I try to go and I I try to think about you know things that make me emotional or make me sad, make me happy, make me smile, cry, all those kind of things like. Um, and you know, I don't know. It's it's interesting because like popular rap is very braggadocious, mm-hmm. um, and that's really not my personality words. to begin with. Sorry, <laughs> braggadocious. Uh, but braggadocious. like, that's like, kind of like, like when on they that say like, Adele's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, well, I was just gonna say on that on that same process. Like, it was cool to see how your uh, when you put out that song dealing with the times of quarantine and the coronavirus, mm-hmm. how you had your own perspective on that. So what? talk about that perspective like what did you realize what did you learn during that time of just being isolated with your family yeah i think so and putting your dad on the cover too oh word yeah um yeah i think like songs called at home uh available spotify apple music all that shameless plug um that that joint was like me trying to get out of a creative rut first and foremost where i was like i thought quarantine was going to be like yo i'm about to make an album like this is this is crazy this is it going to be like but i've caught myself not being creatively inspired and more so just like stuck you know and feeling like uh, lethargic and just kind of like blah you know um i think watching too much of the news and scrolling too much right so I, that song at home was trying to get out of that and then so it made me think about like the the, the way it's affected me personally and Alhamdulillah, man, like, you know, everyone in my family is safe for the most part. You know, I, you know, a couple of distant relatives have got COVID and, you know, my brother, he's a he's a physician out in New York. And, you know, he's uh, he's on the front lines. He's actually a a lung doctor. So like he's Mm. front line, front line. Mm. How are Um, they all doing now? They're doing good, man. They're they're hanging in there. New York is looking a lot better. Mm. Um, But also like, you know, my, my girl and I were supposed to get engaged back in March you know and literally oh, you were one of those wow. yeah. yeah literally literally like you know we had our bags packed and like you know um it was uh march 13th i think was the day we were i think 12th was the day we were flying out and that was like the day that like yeah. trump declared national emergency yes. and my brother called me from new york and was like yo you should cancel the flight b and i was like <laughs> all right and so you know I'm mad emotional. My girl was mad emotional. We're just trying to figure it out. My dad's calling her dad, trying to like, yo, I promise like it's because of COVID and not because we don't want to go through with this. You know what I mean? And it was it was just like a little thing. So I tapped into that for the first verse quite a bit. And then in the second verse, I tapped into um, more so like what my brothers told me, what New York is like, you know, and just, um, you know, my, my little brother, my younger brother, he's actually a student at, um also a medical school man shout out to all the desi doctors out there doing their thing upholding the stereotype saving mm-hmm. lives um <laughs> you know but 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 he was he was he was a student at elmhurst and elmhurst was the hospital where like they were bringing up refrigerator trucks to like put dead bodies in and, and stuff like that it was really bad over there so i was just trying to tap into to to you know the information that they were giving me and just relay that mm. Um, so you talked about, you know, meeting some sort of uh, some, I guess, uh, famous people along the way when you're opening up for them or whatever. How do you, uh, for for artists that are coming up or want to know the process, um, 
what does it take to be on tour and all of that? Because you've gone to Europe mm. um, and toured around the U.S. And so what? how do you get to do that? Uh, whew, that's a that's a that would require like a a, a manual or a book. Um, For sure, <laughs> it's it's definitely it was a long process, right? Um, so it, I guess it started in like 2009 when I started performing locally in the hip hop scene out here in LA and in the Inland Empire. Were you signed? Uh, no, never. I've never been signed. It's always okay. been independent. Um, so. I started playing shows like locally and just, you know, doing a lot of like started with like open mics in my early teenage years. And then it like got more to like, you know, local hip hop shows with a bunch of local hip hop, pretty much like a, a promoter would do a little contract with like a small bar and grill that has a stage and a mic. And then that promoter would put together, you know, 10 rappers and singers and whoever and beat makers. And they would hop on stage throughout night and they would all bring five or 10 of their friends and you would have, you know, a crowd of 30 people or whatever and or whatever it was and then you just perform and you know that was that was how it like really started and that was kind of how I started connecting with like the local hip-hop scene for a minute um and you know really just like building up my 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 live performance skills and whatnot and you know at one point um so one of my heroes is uh, uh underground MC like a legend from Michigan named One Below he was in a group called Binary Star, and Binary Star is like late '90s, early 2000s underground hip hop like royalty. Um, and you know you wouldn't know of him unless you know of him, right? He's a Desi guy. No, no, no. This is an African American brother from from Michigan. Oh, okay. Um, and I opened up for him a couple times, and he was like one of my favorite artists, and he's Muslim. You know what I mean? And so we just like you know one day he was in town on tour and I was like yo like you want to play basketball because I used to play basketball in high school and um, all my boys we like hooped and he was like man you want to play basketball I was like come on let's go and so he was like shit I'm trying to hoop let's go so we went and we, we hooped and after we played like he was like hey man you really hoop I'm like yeah man I'm trying to tell you like we, we play you know what I mean and he was like yeah man but I'm, I'm from Michigan bro like Indian kids don't be hooping I'm like yeah bro this California is different mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> in any case we kind of formed a friendship and he took me on tour for the first time when I was like 19 um, oh wow yeah and he showed me the ropes on like just like the basics of like touring in the underground scene right so, um, you know, where, where y'all from? Where, like, what city are you guys in? We're in different parts of Maryland. Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. Near Baltimore. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, like, it, I've never played a show in Washington, D.C., right? But it, yeah. Yeah, if I wanted to play a show in D.C., which Spotify tells me I have listeners in D.C., or if I wanted to play a show, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have listeners in Baltimore or where, but, like, D.C. is probably the closest city to y'all that my data tells me I have listeners in. And also just based on my Instagram that people hit me up and they're like, yo, come to D.C. or whatever. So if I wanted to play a show in D.C., I would look at like like small venues. The the I think it's like the Bluebird Cafe or something like that. I, you know, there's there's, a, there's venues in D.C. And I'd be like, yo, let's set something up. And I'd holler at y'all and we'd put together a show and we would create a flyer and we would do all the things. Right. So there's a really independent DIY way of doing it, you know what I mean? And it takes a lot of work and a lot of uh, coordination and planning a tour and booking a tour as an independent artist is, is definitely tough. 
And then, you know, thankfully, like the Euro tours, like there was a booking agent involved. And, I, you know, I got to a point where, um, you know, I was able to, you know, wash my hands of that and, you know, not have to worry about connecting all the dots and more so just, you know, pulling up to the venue yeah. for sound check and playing a show. So how did the non-Desi people react to your music? Oh, man, I, you know, they don't even know that I'm Desi. <laughs> <laughs> you think your mixer are Latino or something? I've heard everything, bro. I've heard I've heard Latino. I've heard mixed. I've heard Puerto Rican, Dominican. I've heard Egyptian. You know, I've heard Desi. Of course, you know if if you if you're Desi, you know, you know, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. Hasib's also an Arabic name, so there's people who right. thought I was Arabic. Yeah. But like, you know, if it's like when people when Desi people see me, they're like, oh yeah, he's, of course he's Desi, right? <laughs> but 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 like, if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. Um, um I wanted to ask um, about like your shows and stuff. Um, one, is there a lot of Desi people going to your shows? Depends on the city. Okay. And you go to Tor- you go to Toronto, and it's it's all Desi people. Okay. Um, but you know, in in LA, there, there's only like a few Desi people. That's awesome. Um, you know what I mean? It's mostly Hispanic people. Yeah. Uh, a few black people. You know. Um, also, as a fan of like performance art, um, I want to ask like, how important is it? to like differentiate your performance from your song like you, you can't just stand up there and just rap your song like what are some things you do on perf- while you're performing and stuff like that to elevate your song first thing is i don't rap over my lyrics um you know i, I rap over instrumentals and sometimes i'll like layer the hooks so that like i could take a breath during the hook and just sing along with the hook or whatever but um, you know, if I'm rapping and I stop rapping, like you're, all you're here here is beat. So I'm not just like up there dancing to my own music. That's one. And then two, like I, I play with the DJ. His name's uh, DJ Ice, the Frozen One. So he's really dope. He's an incredible DJ, and you know our chemistry on stage is pretty amazing. And you know, I don't know. I I just try to. I don't know. I try to be as captivating as possible, and I try to be myself. So the way I talk to the crowd and the way I present myself is like. It's natural, and I think that makes me really comfortable on stage. And I think when I'm comfortable on stage, like the crowd is comfortable, and it, it bec- then it becomes an experience. Um, during your my shows 20- aren't like oh sorry, no during, no no so, go ahead. Uh, during your 2019 tour, um, where you went across Europe and stuff, I, I can only imagine that you had a lot of like highs and lows. Can you take mm-hmm. a moment and kind of share what your um, highlight was and maybe what a low point was that other people did, maybe didn't see? Mm-hmm. Um, it's 2019 Sylvan LeCue tour in Europe. Apologies in advance. Or yeah, tours uh, in general. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tours in general. Tours in general What's makes it a little easier. Your highlight and your uh, low point. Uh, I would say okay. One of the I've had a few highlights. I'm just gonna let me try to narrow them down to a couple iconic moments. The first tour I was ever on in 2009, uh, our car flipped. We got into a car accident in Detroit, and um you know we almost died and that was this is, a, this is a high point this is a low point okay. oh. but i mean i, I, I like that you point. took highlight as highlight and not high point highlight yeah that, that i mean that was like oh, okay. a, a that was like a just, just a crazy moment you know what i mean and i don't know if that was necessarily a low point either but it was like mm-hmm. a moment where like damn bro we almost died right you know my mom like the insurance company called my mom because i was still on their insurance at the time and whatnot and they're like yo yeah what the fuck you got to an accident blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was just like grateful to be alive and then you know the first time i played a show internationally was cairo egypt that blew my mind yo wow that, um, that was 
that was crazy. And then more recently, that's like back in the day. More recently, in 2018, I was on tour with Code of the Friend in Europe, and uh, I played in Paris. And bro, Paris was dope. Like Paris is probably my favorite city to perform in. And why? What how do you relate to people? It? You said what? Well, I was gonna say, how do you relate to people um, that uh, you know speak different languages and stuff through hip hop? Hip hop is universal, man. I don't mm. know what it is. It's hip hop at its core is like a feel. You know what I mean? And you could like, I don't know. I, I've heard like international hip hop where like a song will come on. I'm just like, Ugh, I don't know what he's saying, but this shit is nasty. You know? <laughs> like <laughs> the Japanese stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can just hear like, yo, this dude is spitting, or this girl mm. is spitting, whatever it is. And it's just like, if it's dope, it's dope. You know? And I'll, I'll say this. I'll say in other places in the world, I think. Um, um, people are uh, English hip hop and English especially American English uh, is like is is hip hop in its natural form you know what I mean and music I think is is you know people who are music heads they they just they, when they hear it they know it's dope even if they can't perfectly translate what every rhyme means they know I'm going off and they'll hear like they'll be able to put the pieces together you know what I mean yeah uh, yeah um, so when it comes to you know you doing your own thing being independent how much do you look at your sort of strategy of how you're going to get out there, whether it be your music, your brand in general? Do you look at the industry as an example? Do you look at somebody like Russ and see what he's doing? What are some of your influences and where? what direction do you want to go when it comes to marketing and getting yourself out there? Yeah, that, uh, that's a, you know, that's a million dollar question. And that's a that's a question that I think, you know, the best way to answer that is to one, know that it's always and constantly evolving. Right. So like what worked for me in 2018 when I put out growth, it won't work for me now because the algorithms are different. Um, are obviously, you, TikTok? you know what? I've tried TikTok, but I haven't really figured it out yet. And one of the things that's tough for me about TikTok is like you kind of got to be a little goofy to to yeah. to like really, you know, get into it and. It's it's not really my personality naturally. I'm more of like a yo, this is shit is serious B. <laughs> then, There's a niche for that on TikTok. <laughs> maybe I just gotta maybe I gotta find the right niche or just spend more time like working on TikTok. But nah, I think, you know, uh Instagram for me as a platform is is what grew the most during the time of growth and I think like it's kinda like settled back down and I think a lot of influencers in general have seen like, oh man, I'm getting less likes on my shit now or whatever, right? Uh, just because, I don't know, there's a lot more noise. and So that's what I'm currently working on now is like, I have a new project, I have new songs. What am I gonna do to break through the noise? And you know, um, you know I can't reveal all my secrets, otherwise it's they're no longer, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I lose competitive advantage, you know what I mean? I, I'll never forget one of the homies, right? Uh, we kind of came up in the local scene together. Really dope MC. And, you know, he was like, early on, he was starting to get like a lot of really big blog posts on like Two Dope Boys and OK Player and, you know what I mean? Like, just like big websites, especially during the blog era. And I asked him, I was like, bro, how, do you, how are you getting this? He's like, hey, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, God is great. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I was like, yeah, all the time, you know. But and in the same way, people hit me up all the time. Yo, like, yo, how do you get your, how do you get Spotify listeners? How do you go on tour? How do you do this? How do you do that? I'm like, yo, man, I'm the law. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> can't give you this. I can't. I give see you you're on TikTok here with Pokemon cards. You're shaving your yeah. head. Oh uh, yeah. You are goofy. I try, Stop man. I, but this, but what I'm saying is like, there's moments. 
yeah. there's, there's moments where it's like, all right, cool, I'm in that mood and I can do it. Mm. But in general, that's like that. Like my older brother, that man is he's a, he's way better on social media than me. He don't even rap. He's a doctor, but he's like. He's his personality is more just like ah look, you know I'm look at this crazy shit or whatever and you know like he's that's he's comfortable doing that me mm-hmm. it takes me like I gotta be in a certain kind of mindset and energy and that's why my music sounds the way it does because my my personality my 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 frame of mind is is a certain thing and like obviously you can't just be one thing you gotta be more whole and you know more rounded and that's why I try. But my TikTok hasn't really popped off like that, though. So. <laughs> you gotta throw some uh, of your music videos on there. That's a good point. I need to. I just got. I just gotta get active and and you know do some stuff on there. But yeah. Well, would you would you do like when it comes to the um, marketing stuff? Would you ever do anything for um, like through the creative side? Like I've heard uh, Gary V, for example, tell people that you need to put out a song every day or. Um, you know, you need to be just putting stuff out there until somebody bites on or something. Does that feel um, authentic to you or doable to you at all? I think um, I I think it, it depends, man. I don't think Gary Vee's like wrong per se, but you know, if if you keep putting up a song every day and it's not working, then the, the, that's the wrong strategy for you. You know what I mean? Um, if you put up a song every week and it's not working for you, then that's the wrong strategy. If you're doing it and it's working, then keep doing it, right? Mm. So for me, like, I know I have to increase, like, output in the, in the way that the... The way that, that the platforms are set up is, like, you know, they reward... The algorithms reward activity for the most part. But there's also, like, there's a sweet science to digital marketing. And it's like, you know, if you post too much on Instagram, you're diluting yourself, if you if you're putting up too many songs on Spotify, like then they are, are they like, I don't know, like it. You, what makes them special? Sure. You know what I mean. Like one of the one one of the other. Like take someone like Anik for example, right? Anik. I was just and, gonna say that that's the episode yeah. where he was Gary was telling him, and you know but he in, had a really hard time trying to explain to him like that's not how I make my music. Right. And you seem in that similar sort of lane of like that. If something's yeah. timeless, if something has taken this long to make it. You know, I don't know what your process is, but yeah, no, for sure. And you know, like, um, bro, I got songs that I, I think are like fire and good to go and ready to go, and they've been done for almost two years, bro. Mm. But the the right situation hasn't come up to where I, c- I could just put it out willy nilly. Like, I need I have to make sure that you know what I mean. I, I have support on on different fronts, and that you know, uh, being an independent artist, I think there's an idea that like being independent means that, that you just do whatever and put up whatever whenever and that you're not signed but like nah if you're doing it right you're you're creating partnerships and you're collaborating with people behind the scenes in order to help you because unless you get to a certain point where your your audience is big enough to that whatever you throw up is just going to be consumed by a mass of people uh which you know someone like russell you alluded to russ is is big enough now to it don't matter what he does like or what strategy he implores like he has a big audience you feel me and and they're gonna respond to what he puts up same thing with one of the homies code of the friend that's what he did he was releasing music video after music video and like a, a simplified music video with a certain aesthetic with the lyrics on the bottom and he would just blankly stare at the camera and rap his verse and it, it almost looked like a picture and it was just like it it worked it worked for him and he kept doing it and kept doing it and now he's big enough 
to where, you know, he doesn't have to think as hard about the marketing campaign because he could put up an album and two million people are going to go listen to it on Spotify because he's built the platform already. Yeah. So how do you differentiate the, um, you know, you mentioned the collaborations and, and making connections and that seems how your tour even started. How do you differentiate the people that are really rooting for you uh, from the sort of fake love and if you've dealt with that, you know, how do you differentiate that? Yeah, I think, I think like in this content driven world that we're in and clout driven world, it's like, look, everybody's after some form of, of it, right? It's all like, otherwise you wouldn't do it. Not everyone's intention isn't pure. That's a given, right? Mm-hmm. And just general business and, and whatever. Like, you know, if you're employed, you go to work. Even people who work for nonprofit organizations get paid. You know what I mean? So there's all people always have their own personal agenda, and you know I know that going into it. But I think I think it's just about aligning with like like-minded individuals or people who have the same general principles. Even if you have different independent goals than other people, if you if you have a if you stand on a similar like moral compass or if you're in the same similar moral direction, then you can make shit happen and you could you could work with people and do things and you know. Um, but it's all about like natural relationships and i'm gonna be honest man like me bro i'm like i'm like a, i've been a lone wolf for a long time you know what i mean i'm the kind of dude i don't roll with the big crew like my best friends who i grew up with oh damn i got another public safety alert so my recording stopped i don't know when but it did yeah, it recorded 45 minutes worth of, yeah I'm just gonna okay, record. okay we're on 45 that's fine i'll just start recording again it'll be okay that's how you know shit's real. There's helicopters out here. I'm getting public safety <laughs> alerts. I can hear it. Um, That's crazy. But, um, yeah, just kind of syncing up with like-minded individuals and people who have similar, at least, like, moral standing so that you're, you know, you're, you're, you guys are on the same page. And then I think one of the hardest things is, like, like I was saying, like, I'm, I'm kind of like a lone wolf. Like, I don't, I don't have, like, a big group of, of friends who I, like, roll around with. Like, my best friends are married with kids and work corporate jobs and, and you know what I mean? Like, mm. do completely different shit that has nothing to do with music. And How do they look at you? Do they support... Are they supportive of everything? Are they like, why don't, when are you going to get it, um, you know, get the whole well, wife and kids and all of that house or whatever going all that they do all of that it's 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 all of that it's like you know early on like they were like going with me on tour they were like going to a lot of shows and then mm. they kind of we kind of grew in different directions right and then so at first i had kind of had like a resentment like oh they don't come to shows no more or, like you know they forgot about blah 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 but then i like mm. as i my mind matured more i was like bro like they're on some whole different shit like they're not worried about like they're not even on Instagram, you know what I mean? Like they're not worried about this stuff. They're like they have a whole different set of issues and a whole different set of like what they're on. So like I have to respect that, and then likewise they respect what I'm doing. And you know, like for example, uh, the Euro the Euro tours, like when they see when they see like flyers like that, or God damn, I'm sorry, man. I keep the alerts keep coming in. They, yeah, they keep coming in. That's the third one. Um. But yeah, when when they see me do stuff like you know, when they see a music video go up or it's or a tour flyer go up or they hear about it, like they'll, they'll give me a call and be like, "Yo, man, like you know, keep keep killing it and keep doing your thing." And um, what what yeah. what was your like parents' response to your career choice and career path? My parents have always like thought it was pretty cool and pretty dope. 
you know their main thing was that I went to college and and kept going with school and so I did you know um I got well your brother took the load off too right <laughs> no not really because you know then no? it's like Hassan went to medical school like <laughs> oh it became a comparison yeah um okay. but you know I I went to school though too man you know I got my master's in business administration um so so you know i didn't you know was i'm still brown at the end of the day and my parents had that like yo get educated and like you know do your thing and whatnot but you know my dad sat me down in college because you know when i was like maybe 20 19 20 ish this is when i started touring and this is when my grades in college bro i'll never forget i was on tour and i had midterms like i had a show in san diego which is like a two-hour drive and i had a midterm at seven o'clock and then I had a show at nine o'clock, and it's a two. So cool. It's a two-hour drive, so it was like, how am I gonna? You brag about that a little bit? I'm, 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 you're like, hey, <laughs> professor, I gotta, I gotta go on. I gotta show. Fun fact: there were certain professors who I used to play that card all the time. I'd be like, at the beginning of the semester, first day of class, after class, I'd be like, professor, like you know, I'm a touring artist, and like sometimes my schedule is such <laughs> <This> and such. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it, you're, you're like the athlete in high school. It's like, yo, I got a game, right? <laughs> and so certain professors would be like, yeah, hey, well, you know, what it is what it is and then some professors be like really like oh that's amazing and i'm like yo this is an easy Let's a pop one of your music videos yeah, on the screen it's like yo, this, i'm getting an a in this class for sure but that's awesome so i wasn't like a good student i wasn't like i didn't get good grades but like i just kept going with it and kept trying and like kept pushing forward at first it was to make my parents happy but then afterwards like i was really happy that i did it you know what i mean uh, but my parents have always been mass supportive with the music and just cool and you know they're not really like in it like you know it's never been like oh like oh, we're gonna help you put your album out or something like that like it's it's, yeah. it's never been like that um but you know like i think for them it's it it made your a lot more sense your mom actually came to like your meet and greet right yeah yeah, yeah. At, what, what did that mean to you like and, and like having your meet and greet and having your mom there yeah no that was dope that was super dope you know like um it it let my mom know that like that there's a community of people that like you know are, are mess with what I do and you know that that think what I do is cool and that you know um my homie started a chai cafe in 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 New York and you know we're we're here in the city and we're playing my music at the cafe you know it was like a real intimate thing it wasn't like it was a million people there you know but mm-hmm. that it was just really dope to have it there and you know my my parents actually they they saw me open for Lupe Fiasco um so that was pretty dope uh and then like some of their friends were like oh lupe fiasco he had the su- a su- superstar song or whatever and my, my mom was like yo the, the, my mom was like eh, yeah lupe like he's he's somebody huh and i'm like hey lupe was you know at, at one time he was up there and he's still like respected and got fans you know this was like a few years back and then my dad saw me headline my first headline show in la and that was dope that was a crazy show for me because, like, I, I I did a headline show in my city and, like, you know, I sold, like, 135 tickets or whatever. Wow. You know what I mean? Nice. And nice. To have, to have like, a an, like all my homies got in free and stuff like that. So 135 tickets, that, that symbolized, like, 135 people that I don't know are here to see me rap. Hmm. Um, and I didn't have to beg them to, 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 to come see me rap. Like, they just wanted to because they, they fuck with the music. And, like, that meant a lot. And you know, afterwards, like after the show, like I'm not, a, I'm not like a star, man. I'm not like a, I'm not like a huge, famous person or nothing like that. So like, 
after the show when people were coming up and like buying merch and taking pictures and you know a few people asked for autographs here and there or whatever it's like i'm you know it's like damn this is crazy and my dad saw all that and he was just like whoa like he's like i didn't i didn't know that like people rock with you like that that parental validation hits different yeah yeah so i was like oh man this is this is kind of cool but no but at the end of the day it's like you know uh there, there's so many famous people now. There's an unbelievable amount of everybody's famous now for something, but not everybody has a lasting impact. And I think that, you know, the music that you're making and, and having these little moments, no matter how many people show up, is like there's really people out there that, you know, get what you do. And only people that understand what you do and have experienced sort of those similar things will understand why it's important over having a million followers that you never see and that are there for a trend or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's incredible. You should be proud of yourself. Um, Thanks, man. We got we to gotta wrap this up soon, but uh, you just uh, you mentioned your upcoming project. If there's anything else that you want people to know that's, you know, upcoming or any sort of lasting uh, last words for them, uh, please feel free. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I'm definitely, I have a lot of new music in the cut and I'm, I'm going to keep dropping it um in terms of the next album like i have an album ready but there's a few conversations going on behind the scenes i gotta get the business right you know what i mean and so I, do you have a title for it yet or no uh tentative title is called growing pains so wow. growing pains yeah okay. growing pains so it's like it's it's not growth part two per se but it, okay. it is it is the, the next the next on brand yeah the next evolution of growth but this will probably be the last like growth piece and then i'm gonna move on to a different theme um but yeah, I'm gonna call, it's, it's, it's going to be called Growing Pains tentatively. Um, I don't have a release date or a projected release. But just, like I said, I got to get the business right on that side first and just I make sure I guess if they I go have, ahead and follow you on your social media and everything, they'll be able to bing. see yes, when indeed. that comes out. Yep, at Hasib the Few. You know, I'm on Spotify. It's just Hasib. And, um, you know, I, yo, I appreciate y'all, man, a lot. And just hearing the fact that you guys, like, listen to my shit and, you know, care enough to have me on your platform, it means a lot. And, um... You know, rest in peace, George Floyd. It's an honor, man. Thank you for saying that. Um, Before you go, this is Strange Flavors. And at the end of every Strange Flavors podcast, we like to ask the guest one question. And uh, Shamir, if you want to ask that question, go ahead. If you could describe yourself in any flavor, what would it be and why? Oh, snap. Mm. You weren't ready for that one, were you? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, hmm. Like an ice cream flavor? Any flavor. Any flavor. Any flavor. Damn. That describes you and why it describes you. Mm. Doesn't uh, have to be your favorite. It could be. It doesn't have to be your favorite. Just yeah, yeah. No, I'm, describe I'm, you. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Uh, I would say <laughs> freestyle skills. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that that like a, a coffee flavored ice cream. You know what I mean? Because it's okay. like it's like stay woke, but it's still chill. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you we haven't had one of those, like, thingy ones in a while. That's yeah, nice. yeah, coffee, coffee, ice cream, because the coffee is the stay woke part, but but it's ice cream is still chill, and it's still, like, you know. That's such an incredible way to describe yeah. your music. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> literally that's Like, true. if you listen to growth, it's literally, like, it's chill, <laughs> but it's yeah. woke. But it's woke. It's woke. <laughs> Dude. Co- coffee, ice cream. That's, that's not. See, not everybody comes up with something like that, so that's applause yeah, to you. Job. Yo. That's yeah. Hasib. Um, Hasib, thank you again for coming on to our thank podcast. You, we you. appreciate you. Thank it was you an honor so to have you here. And we wish you the best of luck with your music and your engagement and all of your family stuff going on. 
um, lots of love to you thank on you, your man. side. Much appreciated, y'all. Stay safe. Crazy times. You know what I mean? Thank you, thank you. Yeah. And for everybody listening to uh, another episode of Strange Flavors, it's been another week. Another flavor. A little a stranger. Yeah. We'll talk to you next time. Lifestyles of the young and wildin'. Trying to get a footing on my toes for my callus. Standing on my home, being grown is the challenge. Money, women, weed, what we need is a balance. I just want a queen and some green in the palace. Couple kids whooping with the B-bar talents. Getting buckets in the graves made for the scallies and not rap money. That's-